We're so honored that you joined us for this week's message here at Hope Church in Kalispell, Montana. Our hope is that you will be encouraged and challenged in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed as you listen to this week's message. Oh yeah, come on, that is so good, isn't it? I love it, Valentine's Day, it's gonna cost you. In it. Well, welcome to Hope Church on Valentine's Day. Hey, I just want to take a moment to welcome our Hope Eureka family. We love you guys. We're so glad that you can join us today. And our family downtown Kalispell at Hope City, we love you. And for all of those who are joining us online, the Hope family worldwide, we even have people that watch us globally. So it's amazing. We just want to welcome you on this very special day, Valentine's Day. Look at all of you in church on Valentine's Day morning the love day. I got to say that I've been, I've been fighting a little bit of a cold, so I got a little bit of my, my, my speaking voice is a little deeper than normal, so I could get my Barry White voice on, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I love Valentine's Day. I, I love celebrating holidays. I think there's something not only special about them, but I actually think they're biblical. And if, if you do some research, how we got this holiday called Valentine's Day, there was St. Valentine. And, uh, or if, if you like to use an Italian dialogue, St. Valentinus. And so, um, so I, I do think there is something healthy and good about special days. Special days like Valentine's Day, they bring some focus. They bring our attention. And I know that some of you fellas out there, you're, you think this is a made-up holiday that Hallmark has tricked you and duped you and chocolate makers have duped you. And some dude in the back, his eyes just got real big. He's like, oh my gosh, it's Valentine's Day? He's like, oh, baby, you know I love you, right? You know I love you. Other women are like, you doing something, but I love it. I, I love this day. I love that we get to celebrate the love, right? And it's good. I've been married 25 years this year to uh, the woman of my dreams. And, uh, and it's been an amazing journey. Marriage has taught me so much about love. And, uh, and it's, been a good, it's been a good journey. And over 25 years of marriage, for those of you, by the way, how many of you, anybody in this room been married longer than 25 years? Raise your hand. Wow. Look at you amazing people. Look at you amazing people. Let me do this. How many of you have been married longer than 35 years? Whoa, come on. We got some marriages and maybe in Eureka, there's some there too as well. Um, how about this? How about 45 years or over? Oh my goodness. Y'all are saints. You are saints. Somebody bring in the medals. <laughs> that is amazing. I'm going to do one more. Over 55 years. Over 55 years. Anyone? 53. 53. Come on. We got some 53 years. We honor you. We bless you, man. That's amazing. We can, we can learn some things from these people. And um, it's, it's amazing. So today, we are starting a brand new message series called XO. XO. Little, little big hug, little hug, big kiss, little kiss, little Nacho Libre humor there for the, all you Nacho Libre fans. And um, really, what this message series is all about is learning how to do relationships God's way. Learning how to do relationships God's way. Because we live in a, in a world, in a culture that is trying to teach us the way to love the way the world loves. 
But really, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture today. What else would we look at? But on this very first Sunday of this brand new message series, EXO, we are going to start with 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me there to 1 Corinthians 13? And we're going to hear from Professor Paul this morning. And he's going to give us a little lesson on what love really is. And so I'm going to read to you out of the NIV. If you have your Bibles, wonderful. If not, you can follow along on the screen. It says this, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Many people call this the love chapter. I got to say that in my very white voice, the love chapter. And Paul says this, actually, this chapter, I believe, begins, you know that um, it was scholars that created chapters that when these letters were written, and especially this, this book, Corinthians, we have 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, they were letters that Paul was sending the churches just like we're gathered here together as the church, uh, being the apostle that was planting a lot of these churches. Paul is writing these letters, and, and oftentimes in these letters, he was reminding them of a couple things. Number one, that he loves them, and that he missed them, and that they have, they have a purpose and a calling. And number two, he was trying to bring correction, trying to bring them in from some ways that maybe they're getting a little off on. And, and Paul being speaking into the Corinthian culture of the day, I believe the Corinthian culture that Paul was speaking into is very uh, similar to the culture that we live in today. It was a culture that elevated in importance uh, the feeling of love. And we're going to talk a little bit today about the different types of love, but, but the, the erotic love. In fact, they, they had temples um, where they worshipped the goddess Aphrodite. And so they worshipped this feeling type love, passionate love, desire love. And you could definitely see that in our culture today. They also elevated performance and that people were worthy of attention and worthy of love and honor because of the giftings that they had, their ability to be able to um, be amazing in the arena of, of the sporting events that they would have and they would put on. In fact, the Olympics started in Athens. And so um, they elevated performance and, and um, status. And so if you had enough goods, if you had enough gifting, if you were worthy enough, then you were deserving of love. And so this is, this is the culture. I want to give you that context because this is the culture. Now the Corinthian church is starting to move in the gifts of the Spirit. As the Holy Spirit is beginning to move in their lives and as they're living lives, learning how to live life, just like we all are surrendered to the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit and the people's giftings that they have in the church and spiritually speaking are starting to manifest in the church. Now Paul is trying to bring them back a little bit into balance because they've gotten a little bit out of balance and they've started to do what the culture is doing in the church. They're elevating the gifts and giving them too much importance in their personal lives and in the church. And Paul is speaking into this just like I believe Paul is going to speak to some of us today and remind us. And I love the way he ends chapter 12 and goes into chapter 13. He says this. He says, um, Yet I will show you the most excellent way. He talks about all the gifts, but he says, listen, there's an excellent way. And then he goes on in, in chapter 13 to say this. And if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. 
If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and all the knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. And then he goes on to say this. Gives us this picture of what real love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. Does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when, when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, and I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, and then I shall know fully, even as I'm fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for your word that speaks to us, that challenges us, that convicts us. And God, I read this and oh man, I'm convicted. I don't know that I know how to love like that. I know that there are many in this room that feel the same exact way I do, that when we read this chapter, this seems so foreign to us, God, that we don't know how to love like that. And so, God, we just come before you today and we declare, God, we need you. We need your help. We need your help not to only understand this kind of love, but to experience this kind of love so that we can be a vessel for you to use us as people that know how to love like that. So, God, we pray, I pray for every single person right now that is hearing this here in this place that is watching online those in eureka would you do me a favor would you just put your hand on your heart father i pray for every single heart right now that you would open our hearts to receive everything that you have for us god i pray that this morning your word would be like a seed planted in our spirit that it would go down deep that it would take root that it would grow and that it would bring forth life and fruit and blessing not only to ourselves but to those around us in Jesus' mighty name. Father God, I give you this time. This is your microphone. I'm your mouthpiece. Holy Spirit, I give you full permission. This is your church, your service. Have your way with us this morning in Jesus' mighty name. Now, church, I just want to ask you to just take a moment as we have been doing to pray for our nation. Can we do that? Father God, we lift up this great nation of the United States of America to you. Father, we believe that this nation was founded on the truth that uh, God we are dependent upon you. This is one nation under God, 
indivisible with liberty and justice for all people. And so God, we cannot do that without you. The fabric of this country was woven together by you, by your spirit, by your presence. And God, forgive us. We ask that you forgive us as a nation for removing you out of our country, removing you out of our government, removing you out of our education systems. God, removing you out of our everyday life. Father God, would you forgive us? Would you hear from heaven? Would you heal our land? and forgive our sins. God, as we turn our attention, we turn our hearts back to you in repentance as a nation. And we ask that you would sweep over this country once again with revival. God, we are desperate for a move of God. We pray that there would be revivals just like back in the day of Azusa Street and the Jesus Movement and Toronto, God, uh, and Pensacola, Father. God, would you move once again on this great nation? God, we pray and lift up President uh, Joe Biden to you and Vice President Kamala Harris. God, would you surround them with your presence today? Would you give them your wisdom? God, if they don't know you, I pray that they would come to know you to know who you are. And I pray that you would uh, surround them with godly counsel and wisdom as they lead our country back to you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, amen. Well, this morning I want to talk to you about grown-up love. Grown-up love. When I read this passage, I I hear Paul, and, and I can relate to Paul in that he gets to the end of the passage and talking about all these, these different things that love is and things that love is not. And yet he, he says that, that I needed to grow into this. This isn't something that you just all of a sudden turn a switch on and you, you love like that. That this is something that all of us, that we need to learn to grow into this love. And he's saying that when I was a child, I, I spoke like a child. I, I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, it's time to put childish ways behind me. And and so what I believe Paul is trying to say to us is that we need to grow up in love. Like too many of us, we could get stuck in the different stages and the different types of love. And I think here's, here's the real problem. We live in this world just like the Corinthians did back in the day, that, that we get conflicting messages. I believe that part of our challenge is we read passages of Scripture like this. We read uh, what the Bible says, what love, real love really is and what it looks like. And then every day when we get up, there's the reality of everything that this world is trying to tell us what love really looks like and what love really is. And I think it, it messes with us. I mean, from marketing to movies to the way we, we treat each other and, and the way that, that, that this world is trying to teach us what love is compared to what we just read. And, and, and most of us were, were conflicted. And what we really want to know is, we really want to know. You got to get that little head thing going on there with the beat. Little Night of the Roxbury. But, but here's the problem. Here, here's the problem. We do get hurt, right? We do get hurt. And because we get hurt, if we're not careful, our atti- attitudes can change towards love. And we could start to think that... And we can start to think that love stinks. 
and we could be like, I'm done with that. But after a while, we really want to know, right? And I begin to wonder, Because you tell me and I will always love you. I will always love but then you don't. And so we really need to get away from this kind of love. We really need to get away from the you see, because Paul is telling us that we need to grow up in love. And what grown-up love looks like, grown-up love is more. Grown-up love is... It's more than a feeling, isn't it? It's so much more than that. And I think that really, when you, when you sum up this whole passage of Scripture, Paul is trying to wake us up to the reality that, that we cannot find what love really is, and we cannot see what love really looks like from the world. We can't get it from our culture. And, and by the way, we can't get it from the law either. Because sometimes we can get caught up in this thing called legalism, where, where we start thinking that, that, that love and how we receive love and how we even get the love of God is that, that we follow a script, that if we're just good enough and that we've done a good, good enough things and that I please you and we can get caught up in this performance type thing that where, where love becomes something that we earn. And, and the world is confused about what, what real love is. Just, just look at, just watch something on TV, watch a movie, look at the marketing. It's so confused. I think even more so today than any time in the point of history that our world is so confused. And Paul is trying to say this, that, that Christianity, this thing called following Jesus to being a follower of Christ, everything about this is all about love. Everything we do has to be built on the foundation of, of love. So here's kind of the big idea. Christianity is just religion without love. Christianity is just religion if it's void of love. And Paul is saying, you could have the most amazing faith. You could have faith that moves mountains. You could speak with tongues of angels. You could be the most spiritually gifted dude. God could be using you in some amazing, powerful ways. And yet, if you're missing this thing called love, real love, you're missing all of it. You're missing the whole point. And I think that we're in danger because even being in the church, we could get caught up in all of these things that the Corinthian church was getting caught up in. And Paul is trying to bring them back to remind them that everything we do has to be built on the foundation of love. And that we were meant to grow in love, just like, just like our physical bodies from the time that we're born, 
And, and the Bible talks about the beginning of our relationship with God is, is this experience called being born again. He, he told Nicodemus, Jesus said to Nicodemus, he said, you must be born again. And what he meant by that is your, the spirit of God has to come alive in you because we, we all sin, we all fall short. And because of that, our, our, our sin has, has darkened us. It, it has squeezed the love out of us. And for many of us, we're walking around, if you're not a follower of Jesus, we walk around with, with this guilt and, and we wrestle with the reality of, of sin in our life and brokenness and hurt. And we don't know what to do with it. And it, it distorts the love of God. It, 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 it takes the love of God and it, it twists it and it turns it into something that it's not. And so I want to show you this morning, I want to, I want to point out that, that we see in Scripture actually three kinds of love, but I want to talk about today four kinds of love. There's four kinds of love that I believe that will show us how we can grow in our love. And the first one that I want to um, tell you about is actually not a biblical term. It's the Greek word. It's called storhe, storhe. And, and this kind of love isn't in, actually in the Bible but it was a part of, of the Corinthian culture. And I think you'll be able to recognize it in yourself and in our culture today. And actually, this word storhe and, and another one of the, the words for love that is biblical, philea, um, is often used together. So there, there, this word is used, but in conjunction with another word. But I just want to be clear that this word isn't even, even in the Bible, but it was part of the culture. And this, this kind of love is marked by mutual love. It's similar to a parent-child relationship or maybe a sibling, a brother, sister, a husband, and wife. In loving affection and even uh, tenderness in loving, chiefly, though, of a reciprocal tenderness like a parent to a child, it's liking someone through the fondness of familiarity. The fondness of familiarity. And so for many of us, this is, this is the baby stage of love. This is, this is when we're younger and we don't know any better and we get attached to our mother or father, whoever's raising us, and there's this bond that happens and, and we become familiar because the person is taking care of us. They're, they're taking care of our needs. They're, they're feeding us. They're giving a house. They're, they're providing for us. And they're taking care of our needs. And because, of, because they're taking care of my needs, I get attached to them. I grow in this, this story love. But this is the most basic type of love. This is baby love. This is, this is wah, wah, I'm hungry. You, I need somebody to feed me. This is, wah, wah, I need somebody to change my diaper. I need somebody to do for me because I can't do for myself. And so this love is, is kind of like, I love you because you take care of me. And because you, you provide for me, you protect me, and you provide for me, I love you back. I love you with a kind of love that's reciprocal because you've shown me a type of love by taking care of me. And this love is pretty good but it's really the baby stage of love. And too many of us, we get stuck in this story or this baby stage of love. And if we're not careful, we, we don't grow into some of the deeper types of love. We think that everybody around us exists to take care of our needs and that the planet re revolves around me. And, and then we think we're doing pretty good, some of us, 
because we're in this baby stage of love still and we're loving people but the reality is is the only reason we're really loving them is because they loved us first and and Jesus talking in Luke he addresses this kind of love this baby love he's saying listen don't don't get too proud of yourself for loving like this he says this if you love those who love you what credit is that to you even sinners love those who love them and then he goes on to say this and if you do good to those who do good to you what credit is that to you even sinners do that so Jesus is saying listen I know that you think you're loving like with a a good kind of love and a a godly kind of love and listen all these stages of love are good in and of themselves right there's a part of this kind of love that's good it is but it's still a lower type of love. It's still a, it's still a baby love. It's, still a, it's, it's not a mature love. It's, it's I'm loving you because you love me. And Jesus is reminding us, and I want to remind us this morning, that if we're loving like that, oh, there's so much more to love that Paul is reminding us of. That, that there's so much we have to grow into love. We have to grow out of this, this baby stage. And I love, Paul says that when I was a child, I spoke like a child. <laughs> and I think in this stage, this is, this is the stage where we learn how to speak. And, and you know, first words are usually mine, want, eat. Like they're basic. They're primitive words. They're, they're all, they revolve around me and my needs getting met. I wanna, I wanna challenge you with something If we're gonna grow in love, we need to begin to watch how we speak. The things that we say, and even Jesus said, he said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you wanna know if you're stuck in this this kind of love, this kind of childish baby love? Look at the way you speak. Look at the way you speak to the people around you. Is it all about you? Is it all about, I didn't get my needs met? You didn't do this for me. You didn't cook the right meal. We could get so critical of each other and say, listen, here's the thing about this stage of love. This This is familiar love. See, with each of these stages, there's good attributes of them, but there's also downside to them. Here's the downside to this kind of love. I think that we take for granted the people that are closest to us. The people that are most familiar with us. The people that we have story love with. Those are the people we're around every day. Those are the people that we see their weaknesses, their faults. There's things we don't like about them. And if we're not careful, we could get to the point where the words that we're speaking, the Bible is clear. It says in Proverbs 18, 21, that life and death is in the power of the tongue. That means with my tongue, I have the ability to love somebody by the way I talk to them. I can actually build them up in love by the way I speak to them. And Paul is saying, I had to grow in this area. I had to learn to stop speaking like a child. Anyway, it's all about me. I don't like the way you do this and you do that and you don't give me enough love and and you don't give me enough sex if you're in marriage and you don't cook the right way and all these things and when, when. And Paul says, no, it's time to grow up. That's baby love. 
That's baby talk. We don't talk that way anymore. I had to grow into learning how to speak like a man. And a man doesn't speak that way. A man honors people. A man speaks truth and love, but, but, but builds people up with the words they say. And by the way, a man speaks out of the heart. I know there, there's too many people that because we've been wounded or for whatever reason, there's many different reasons that we don't say things because people become so familiar, we just, we stop saying I love you. We think sending a, a little heart emoji on a phone is saying I love you. And in our digital age, communication has come down to a lower level, a babier level right? It isn't a grown-up level. And, and you're going to notice through all of these stages that through every stage that the world is trying to pull us back down to the baby, the most primitive stages. Like, you don't need to say, I love you. Just send a little heart emoji. Just a little, little hug, hug, kiss, kiss, a little XO, right? She knows she loves you. Baby, you know I love you. I don't have to buy no roses. I don't have to buy no chocolates. You know I love you, right? No! Dang it, you need to say it. Come on, tell somebody you love them. Look them in the eye and say, I love you. I, I cherish you. You're important to me. Man, you know how much that does for somebody when you start to speak love, speak words of affirmation? I really, I, my daughter on her bed at home, she's going to be surprised. She had to get up early and be here for church. But, but um, oftentimes, you know, uh, I see her. And I've seen her develop and grow. And there's so many times I think thoughts about her that I never express, that I never speak, that I never say. And I really felt impressed. I wanted to get her a Valentine's Day card. I'm ruining the surprise right now because she's here and she's hearing this. But when she gets home on her bed, she's gonna, there's going to be a card for me. And I, I just felt I needed to tell her how I really feel about her. I needed to tell her that I'm proud of her, that I love her, that she's the daughter I always dreamed of, that, that, that I cherish her, that I see gifts in her, that she's beautiful. Listen, if she doesn't hear that from her daddy, one, one day uh, she might go looking for it from another man that may not be the right guy and may use it to his advantage to steal something from her that, that she's saving for the right man. And so we need to speak love. We need to grow up, speak love. The next stage of the four loves is this Greek word called eros love. Eros love. And this is, this is actually where we get the root word erotic from. This love, this was prevalent in 1 Corinthians in Corinthian church. This was prevalent in Corinthian society. This is this kind of love. You don't have to look far and to go out and, and go look for a movie on Netflix and you don't have to go far to find this love. This love is in your face 24-7 in our culture. This is 50 shades of gray love. I mean, this is right there. It is desire. It is passion. It is a sense of feeling. That feeling like I'm in love. And the pleasure that we get from those senses and those feelings. This is, the first love was marked by the familiar. This love is marked by a feeling. This is if I feel good, that I need to feel good. And because I need to feel good, that, that you're a part of how I get to feeling good. And that when I fall in love, that it becomes this, this emotional feeling that takes over my body and I can't even help myself. Man, I remember being so in love with my wife and I still am. But it's interesting 
how love develops over time and love matures. And even, even people in the world that are psychologists that help people with their marriage, they recognize this. And, and when I do premarital counseling, trying to prepare couples for marriage, uh, there, there's a, a book that I take them through by uh, Les Perot and his wife, who are amazing Christian counselors and, and experts, I, I think, in the field of marriage. And there's, they wrote this book called Saving Your Marriage Before It Starts. And there's this quote in there from, from a poet, Henry Ward Beecher. I want to read this to you because I think this is, this is part of how we grow in even this Eros love. Now listen, Eros love has its place. It's what first attracts you to somebody. It, 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 it's, it's what draws you. It's that desire, that love, that feeling. And God uses this for his purpose. There's purpose to this love, no doubt. But I think once it gets out of balance in our lives and in our culture, we could get sucked too much into this kind of love. And we need to grow in love, even in the beginning stages when you're married and you're in the honeymoon stage and it's amazing and it's all love. It, it's amazing, but we need to mature even in our Eros love for each other because after 25 years and you start to grow a little older, some of that love, it, it wears off and you have to work. You actually have to cultivate this kind of love. You have to sew in. You have to do some work. You have to, you have to buy some roses on Valentine's Day. You have to speak some love. You got to do some things. And, and look what Henry Ward Beecher says. I love this. He says this, young love is a flame, a very pretty, very hot and fierce, but still only a light and flickering. The love of the older and disciplined heart is as coals, deep burning and unquenchable. I love that. This is, that's grown-up love. That's how you, you really learn to love as your love matures and you get out of that honeymoon stage and now you're hit with the realities that you see the faults in the other person. In fact, you have fights and they hurt you and they wound you and they say words to you and they get in you and, and you don't necessarily always have those feelings, those, those arrows feelings of love anymore. But then love be becomes a choice where I, I choose to love you because I gave my heart to you and I, and, I, and I married you in this covenant. See, we don't know anything in our culture about covenant. God's ways of love are covenantial love. Covenantial love was, I love you, death do us part. That this is a covenant. It's, a, it's like a contract that I don't break this love with you because I don't feel it anymore. This is there. I'm going to go and recognizing mature love recognizes that I go, love has its seasons. Love has its ups and downs. And even though that, that we may be high in April and we're shot down in May, that even when you're at your worst, I'm going to sit with you and I'm going to love you. And I'm going to learn to love you when I feel like it and when I don't feel like it because I'm committed to you. You. I'm committed till death do us part through sickness and in health, through good times, bad times, when we got a lot of money, when we got no money, when we're good, when we're not good. I choose to love you. That's the kind of love that Paul is talking about. Covenantial love. And if we're not careful, we could get so caught up in the feelings, the Eros love, that we miss out on the deeper love. And we can get stuck and never make it to the next stage, which is phileia love, phileia love. That's where we get, this is the root word, this is where we get the word Philadelphia from, the city of brotherly love. This, this kind of love is characterized, in fact, um, C.S. Lewis, who I love, he wrote a book called The Four Kinds of Love, and, and he said this about this kind of love. He said, this is, this is the highest form of human love. 
highest form of human love. So at the story level, we're baby. We're in the child stage. And then when we get to the teenage stage, all the hormones start kicking in and we start feeling things that we didn't feel before and we learn what Eros love is. But we can't stay there. You got to get to the place where as you get older, phileo love is I choose my friendship. See, when I was a baby, I couldn't choose my family. Some of you are like, yes, I know. (laughs) I didn't choose who my mother was or father was or lack thereof. I didn't choose my siblings. They were who they were. So I love them because they're familiar. Now, when I get into the Eros love, I start having feelings and I'm drawn and attracted to people and I feel this kind of love that I wanna, I wanna give it and I wanna receive it. But even that is, is kind of immature. But when I get to the phileo love, this is when I've grown enough where I get to choose who I wanna, who I wanna love, who I wanna be bonded to, who, who, who do I connect with on an emotional level. See, see, this level of love, it's not familiar, it's not about feelings, it's about a connection, it's about a bond. That, that I love you because, man, they're, they're, I'm loving you on an emotional level that's deeper. There's a bond here. This is the kind of love that when soldiers go off to war, when they're down in the trenches, and it's just them, and they're sharing things that they never shared because you're a guy and because we're guys. We don't do that unless we're sitting at a bar throwing down some beers or chugging some, taking shots of whiskey just so we can lower our resistance enough to really open up. And and Paul is saying, no, we we gotta get past that. We gotta mature in love enough to where you get to this phileo love where, where you actually open up to somebody else. This is the kind of love that James was talking about when he says, confess your faults, confess your sins one to another so that you might be healed. Because the way that God set this thing up, it isn't just that we have this relationship with God in this vertical way, but he set up that, that we have relationship with each other and other people and that God uses each other as vessels to share his love with each other and to connect with us so that, that the way he set it up isn't the way that sin distorted this thing. The way that he set it up is that we would be pure vessels of God's love, that we would have enough of God's love in us, this this love that Paul is talking about so that we can give it to each other and that we can actually experience the love of God through connection to each other, through this brotherly type of love. But but in this stage, we got got to get past. um, Paul talked about, he said that when I was a child, I spoke like a child. In, in the Eros kind of love, we got to think differently. He says, I, I, I used to think like a child. See, everything in this world wants you to think like Eros kind of love. It's all about desire. It's all about feelings. And if we're not careful, we could even come to church and let the culture tell us that we need to feel God. Like if I'm not in worship and I don't get my goosebumps because the worship team played the right song and I don't feel enough of the presence of God in my life, well then God doesn't really love me or God's not real. And we can, we can creep into this bad ideology and bad theology thinking that because I don't feel God, God isn't with me. But there's something higher. There's a higher way of thinking. In fact, um, Paul talked about that in Romans 12 too, that we can't be conformed to the pattern of this world. 
There's a pattern that this world will try to tell you and you'll get caught up in it and you'll never mature in love if we get stuck in the pattern, stuck in the cycle of the world trying to tell you what love is and what love looks like. And we get so easily stuck in that washing machine, round and round. This is what love is. And no, it's not. And Paul is reminding us, he's saying, listen, you gotta change the way you think. You can't think the way the world thinks. That's childish ways of thinking. Paul is saying, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. You got to look at what you're watching on TV and, and what we let get into us because the eyes are the gateway to the soul. And too many of us were reading books and watching TV and all this entertainment that is trying to ingrain in you and get you to think that love looks like this. And Paul says that we got to break that cycle. We got to break that pattern that we can't get stuck in the pattern of the world, but we actually need to be transformed. How? By the renewing of our minds. And that's, no, that's the word of God. That is letting the word of God be truer than your feelings. I was listening to this podcast uh, the other day by this Christian leader that I really respect. And he was talking about winning the war in your mind and, and how we need, need to change our thinking patterns, how we can get stuck in thinking patterns. And, and many of us, we're stuck in wrong thinking patterns about love and even how we think towards each other. And the enemy will try to get in and mess with you in this area. He's the accuser of the brethren. So he'll try to keep, he'll try to have you keep records of wrong and he'll, he'll, he'll put thoughts in your head so that you get easily angered at the people that you should be loving the most. And Paul is saying, you got to change your mind. In this podcast, he was saying that when he went through the pandemic, he went through this excuse me, this period of time where he didn't feel God's presence and he didn't know what to do. He was praying and he needed some answers from God and he felt like God was silent. And he, he went through this season where he didn't feel God. And he said, in the past, when I was younger, when I was a younger pastor and leader, I would have gotten upset with God. I would have threw a little, I need you, story love. But he said, I've been walking with God enough that in that season, I didn't need to feel God. I knew God was with me and I knew he was real because he's been with me all along in the past. And so I've grown in my understanding that God loves me when I feel it and when I don't. He's speaking to me when I feel it and I don't. But we got to change the way we think. But when we get to this filet of love, now... This is, this is the hard part. When you mature in the way that your mind, not only what, what you speak and not just what you think, but how your thought process works, your cycles, your patterns. In fact, um, when Paul said, I reason like a child, he uses the Greek word logizimo or something like that. It's all Greek to me. So, <laughs> But the root word is where we get the word logic from. And this is, listen, I want to I read you the, the definition, the biblical definition of this word, logizimos, or whatever it is. And um, because I think it's interesting. This, this word, if I could find it, come on, help me out. Apple, whoever you are. Siri, I don't know who you are. Oh, you know, this always happens. I hate that. When you need to find something and need to find it fast and you can't find it, all right, I'm just going to have to give you the Lansdanic version because I can't, I can't find where I put it in my notes. I know it's in here. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Praise God. Came in the 11th hour. 
to, listen, this word means to reckon, to count, to compute, to calculate, to count over, to take into account, to make an account of, to pass to one's account, to impute. Paul is saying, love doesn't keep any records of wrong, but we need to grow up in the way that we reason. We need to grow up and we need to allow the Spirit of God to change the way that we reason. We can't reason like a child and just take things at surface for what we see because how many times inevitably do you get a text and and you read the text and all of a sudden your mind starts reasoning, what did they mean by that? That sounded sarcastic. What do you mean sounded? It's not even, not even talking to you. It's just on paper. How do you even know what it sounds like? You don't. But your mind kicks in and it starts trying to, to tell you, get in your ear, and it tries to dictate to you that this person's thinking this. And you look at social media and say, oh, look at them. They think they're better than me. And, and your mind starts kicking in and you start to assume that other people don't have good intentions towards you, even your spouse, because you've been familiar with them so long and there is a bond there but but because you've been with them so long and you know their ways you know their weaknesses you know their flaws we could start to think I know what you meant by that I know what you're trying to do you're trying to start a fight you're trying to do this and we need to allow the spirit of God to help us grow up even the way we reason otherwise I can credit to your account something that you never deposited but my mind made it up and it's blocking me from loving you because I've allowed my mind to reason like that. Philippians 2.1 and another passage where Paul is saying this, if there's any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in spirit, are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, working together with one mind and purpose. And listen to this. This is the thing. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. This is the kind of love. Now, now, this is the kind of love where you start looking out for the interest of other people above yourself. And now we're getting close. We're getting close. But for too many of us, we stop at this kind of love and we never get to the next stage of growth. The stage that... Shut up, Siri. I'm not done preaching. (laughs) We get to this stage that Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 13. It's agape love. It's agape love. Now, agape love, this is otherworldly love. This kind of love? Man, I don't know. I've touched on this kind of love. There's sometimes when I might have a good day, when I operate in this kind of love, but I don't live here. I'm trying to grow up. I want to be a big boy. I want to be a man, but this is a man's kind of love, a godly man's kind of love. This isn't a worldly man's kind of love. And this is the kind of love that's selfless. This is the kind of love that is sacrificial. This is, this is the kind of love that is unconditional. See, see, even philea, as good as it is, it has its limits. It has its conditions. 
Because inevitably, even when we have that kind of brotherly love where I love you, I, I feel this emotional connection to you, and this is what we can experience in married love, and, and this is actually that phileo love. That's the kind of friendship that Jonathan and David had in the Bible, that deep emotional connection. But, but here's the problem with that kind of love is all of a sudden when you do something to hurt me or you stop loving me back, you mess with the condition of love. I don't know what to do when you were my friend but now you became my enemy. I don't know what to do when we were so close, but you stabbed me in the back. I don't know what to do when you told me you loved me and we, we did marriage together and life together, raised a family, and you broke that vow. I don't know what to do when you hurt me with what you said and we get stuck in that phase of love and we never grow beyond it because we don't know how to do that in our humanness. We don't know how to do that in our own human ability. See, this, is, this kind of love is not possible without the very spirit of God coming inside of us and giving us stability. And so here's what you need to understand during this whole message series. We're gonna talk about relationships God's way and, and the reason why that I brought you this message today is because unless we have this foundation, unless we learn to grow in our love and get to this kind of love, this agape love, Paul is saying, listen, none of this matters unless you learn to love like that. Paul is saying, when I was a child, I used to speak like a child. I used to think like a child. I used to reason like a child. But I learned that I needed to grow up into this kind of love if I'm gonna be a godly man if I'm going to be a godly woman, if I'm going to learn to love the way that God loves me. You see, we have to understand something, that you can't give what you haven't received. And so when I read about this kind of love, and I go through this chapter, I get convicted, and, I, and, I, and it makes me go to my knees because I say, God, help me. I don't know how to love like that. I can't love like that. I don't have the ability to love like that. I'm too selfish. I'm too broken. I've been too hurt. I've been too wounded. And, and this, this is the problem for many of us. We, we can't give. Jesus said, freely you have received, now freely give. Speaking to the disciples, telling them to go out now. Everything that I've given to you, now I want you to go out and take it to the world. And the problem is we, we're trying to love like that, but I don't know how to love that way. I don't know how. And the real problem is we can't love like that. We can't give that kind of love because we've never received that kind of love. And you could be in the church and you could have grown up in the church and have never grown up in love. So we're, we're going to close this morning on Valentine's Day a little different. We're actually going to take communion together today. And, and we're going to take communion together today. And, and Eureka, you guys get ready to, to give communion there. Because I don't know how to love like that. You don't know how to love like that. The only way we're going to grow up into that kind of love is I need to receive that love from God. And the problem is too many of us, we have things in our heart, we have things in our life, we're broken, we've got walls up. 
and we don't even realize it. This, this past week, on Thursday, actually, as I was preparing this message, I got this um, letter in the mail, and I just felt like it was God's timing. And this letter was from somebody in our, our church who over the last five years has been really wrestling with uh, not just receiving the love of God, but being able to, to give love to other people and to express it. And, and they wrote me this, this letter. They went to a, a doctor who, she's been trying everything. And, and I love her for that. I love that um, she's not just allowing herself to be stuck in a certain phase of love, but she's, she's really seeking God and, and God led her to this doctor. And, and I want to read you a passage of this letter that she wrote to me. So the doctor was able to identify the disconnect between my head and my heart. He discovered I have a learning disorder called alexithymia, which is the inability to express emotions verbally. When I was a baby and in so much pain, I was unable to express my uh, emotions so my needs were never met. The baby me just learned to survive on my own without any um, in intervention by anyone. This led me to not know how to verbally express my emotions. And when I did learn to verbalize them, so now, 45 years later, um, 45 later, years later, not knowing how to express my emotions has caused a lot of hindrances in my relationships and even within myself. My emotions for the past 45 years have been stored up within my physical body. My emotions were being stored up in my muscles and being expressed through pain. So through this doctor, emotional transformation, uh, um, he discovered how to help me verbally express my emotions in which in return, relieve me of my pain. Quite amazing. Who knew that emotions could cause such pain? The brain is definitely complex organ. In one week, I was able to get out 45 years of repressed emotions and my pain level has significantly decreased. I feel less guarded, softened, and feel less burdened. And now I'm starting to express love once again. And I think this is part of the problem is that for some of us, we've been so wounded. See, in the baby stage, if we don't get the love that a mother and father and the protection of the love and the father and that, that, that God meant, we don't get a true expression of what godly love is and we begin to look at God in the same way. You don't love me. You didn't protect me. You didn't provide for me. Otherwise, you wouldn't have allowed that abuse to happen. You wouldn't have allowed my, my parents to get divorced. You, you wouldn't have had my father walk away. You wouldn't, he wouldn't have been an alcoholic. He wouldn't have beat me. He wouldn't have verbally abused me. But you, mean, you must not be a good daddy. You must not really love me because you allowed those things to happen. And we get wounded, wounded and broken. And, and then as we get older and we, get, we, we try to love, and naturally as we try to love, we get hurt by other people. And they hurt us and they wound us and they leave us and they reject us and we get more broken and naturally walls begin to build up over time and we get calluses on our hearts and the same wounds that we get from earthly people become the walls that keep out the love of God from coming into us 
So I couldn't think of a better way to end this message and to begin this message series than to reminding ourselves, communion is all about reminding that when I was broken, when I was wounded, when I was hurt, when I was addicted, when nobody loved me, when nobody wanted me, and I thought there was a God that was mad at me because I hadn't done all the things that he wanted me to, and I've been working hard to try to win love. I've been trying to perform, I've been trying to do the dance. I've been trying to dot the I's and cross the T's. And I've been trying to hide my brokenness from people because I'm afraid if you really see inside of me, you would never love me. But God, God says, I, I knew you in your mother's womb. And my God says that I, even though you're a sinner, God still not only came to me, but he loved me. Even while I was a sinner, even while I was broken, even while I can never measure up to this kind of love, I can never measure up to your standards, God, but yet you still love me. I don't understand that kind of love. And Paul says you'll never understand that kind of love. This isn't the kind of love you understand. This is the kind of love you have to experience. It's the only way. Yeah, I know God loves me because the Bible tells me so. But that ain't good enough. That ain't working for a lot of us. It hasn't, hasn't gone from here to here. As we take communion today, I want to pray this prayer over you that Paul prayed over the church in Ephesus, in Ephesians 3. He said this, I pray. Come on, I want you to receive this, and then we're going to take communion together. I want you to just lift your hands. You hope, Eureka, I want you to just lift your hands at your home. Just, just lift your hands. Just posture yourself. You need to receive. You can't give what you can't, can't receive. I pray from his glorious unlimited resources that he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him and your roots will grow down deep into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, that's thinking, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. And here it is. And may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Then, then, now, now, you will be made complete with the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. That's my prayer for you. I'm never gonna be able to love like that unless I first encounter that love to know that not only did God so love the world that he sent his one and only son, but God so loved me. It is personal. He loved me, broken me, helpless me. And that's why he sent his son, Jesus. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Hope Church. If you enjoyed this message, you can easily support the ministry of Hope Church at hopechurchmt.com give. Also follow us on social media at hopechurchmt. Be blessed and have a great week.